I, I I just I just the only thing I want to tell people is don't get caught up on the uh, don't get caught up on the simple stuff, right? Just keep, keep be relentless, keep learning, keep having conversations, keep pushing. It's it's worth the juice is worth the squeeze, as you would say, right? <laughs> Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Pre-Accident Podcast. I am your host, Todd Conklin. I'm I'm getting emotional. I'm choking up. I'm choking up. How are you? Because now's a really good time to check in and ask you that question. It could not be more chronic in the way crises is happening to us. And I'm really interested in what chronic exposure to risk like this looks like. Um, especially for people who think about it, uh, not that we're smarter, better, or you're, you're going to hear the phrase in today's podcast, elitists, not that we're elitists, but we think about this a lot and I'm very interested in what that means and, and how we really are functioning. I mean, cause we are functioning, functioning is a part of what's happening. That's for sure. And yet this chronic exposure to all these risks has to be manifesting itself in some indicators and i'm just curious what they are are you angry or bored or upset or envious i don't know a friend of mine's kids are all of the graduating college age and i it just i was talking to them and it just feels like they're getting ripped off kind of it's it's weird how my plans have changed dramatically so have yours but what if your plans were beginning of the career? How scary would this be? And and how resilient do you need to be? And and I think that's the better angle is not what does chronic stress look like, because I think we can answer that. I think it's what does resilience in the face of chronic stress look like? And that, my friends, that's a pretty interesting uh, topic that we should think about. I don't know. I'm busier than crud. I am so busy. Holy buckets. This bouncing forward presentation I'm doing is just uh, for some weird reason has begotten has become super popular. Um, don't ask me. I don't know. I've sat through it a million times. I've sat through it every second time I've done it. That's how many times I've been through it. And I think it's good. It's good. We should probably. I should do a whole podcast on it. That would probably be a smart idea. Maybe I should do that. Yeah. Okay. I'll kick that around. I'm gonna kick that idea. That just you're watching the sausage be made right here or hearing it at least. But other than that, it's been interesting. I've I've been trying to catch up on reading, and that's hard because I've got a COVID uh, performance anxiety thing going on, and I've been trying to get ahead. It's it's I don't know. I I'm not really watching TV. I, I am trying to ride my bike as much as possible, which I'm about to go do now. That that seems to be keeping me kind of sane. But other than that, and I'm not a health, that's not, you know, I'm not the guy that says that. I'm the guy that says, is that a maple long john extra one? Because I'll eat two if there's two. I mean, if there's not enough, I'll still have two. I'm that guy. I'm that guy of that equation. But I don't know. It's been interesting to look at that. So today's podcast, I, I can't, I've been wanting to do this podcast, honestly, for almost, I bet you almost as long as I've been doing the podcast. And it, for many reasons, and lots of them technical and all sorts of stuff. We haven't been able to do it. And so we, 
we've always talked about doing this podcast, but we've never done it. But now it's done. And the timing seems right for it. I was going to hold it for a while, but now I'm thinking, I'm not going to hold it. It's too good. This will only benefit humankind. And so why would I stop something that benefits humankind? So there we go. So, so today I'm going to talk to Sahika Korkmaz. And Sahika, if you don't know Sahika, you need to know Sahika. She is amazing at a bunch of levels. Um, and it's, I don't even know where to start with her. Her background is remarkable. She talks about, actually, I tricked her into talking about her background. So that's, that's something she'll share with you. But she's been on kind of the program administration side of changing a huge, huge organization to look at their reliability and resilience in a new way. And she has been remarkably successful, and she's remarkably successful on purpose. It's, it's, it's not an accident. It's, it's the function of somebody who thinks about how can I diffuse the program so it has some long-term strategic stick to it and that it has impact. And I'm amazed by what she talks about. And I think you will be too. The, the whole idea of leaders feeling confident is something we are not talking about enough and probably need. In fact, I'm, I would think the seed has been planted around that. That may be one of the more important things I've heard in a long, long time. And that means a lot to me. Hope it means a lot to you as well. Other than that, man, I don't know. I, it seems like a waste to talk between uh, you and the conversation I have with Shahika because it's, it's, it's something you're going to want to hear. So maybe, maybe we can talk on the backside of it and discuss in detail what all this means because I think you'll find this to be not only entertaining, and it is pretty entertaining, but I think you'll find it actually incredibly enlightening. And I'm just not saying enlightening, enlightening. I'm saying incredibly enlightening. That's pretty high up on the hierarchy of enlightenment, if you look at that. And you can find that. Just Google it. I'm sure it's out there. Until then, let's talk more, because I have lots to share with you. This is Shahika Korkmaz, and a little conversation we had about the stuff we do. We can. (laughs) We can totally decide it later. How have you been? How's life been? Life is good. I can't complain. Everybody's healthy. Our house isn't burned down, and my son is going to school. What more can you ask for? That's what, that's, that's that's seems, even though years years ago that would have been a low bar. I think it's actually a pretty high bar right now. It's weird. It is that, really it's high weird bar. that no, normal is good, huh? Yeah, normal. Yeah, normal is good. So I should tell you because I forgot to tell you in the introduction. Although I don't think it would have fit very well in the introduction that. Uh, I did a presentation for Shahika and her organization the morning before we recorded this podcast. And that's really what led us into the opportunity to actually grab the podcast. And so we talked a little bit about how we thought the morning went. And it was a little presentation on the five principles. Pretty fun, kind of short. Uh, got to follow Helen Harris, so it was a pleasure. And that's what she's referring to here. How do you think this morning went? It went great. I got three, four people texting, IMing me. Why aren't you recording this? Um, you should have recorded the conversation. They loved your perspective. Um, yeah. Anyway, I every time we have you, it just basically blows everybody's minds and why what has the, us thinking this different way. That shouldn't have been mind blowing. 
No, the thing is, I, I, what I find is that it depends on what you are focused on at that time, right? I might listen to you, um, I don't uncomfortable number of times, but at the time that I listen to you, whatever is I'm trying to figure out, whatever problem I'm trying to fix, then I listen to that part of that conversation, oh, right? Nice. Because you can apply, apply it to pretty much everything and anything, but whatever it is that we are working on at that point, people kind of hear something to help them with that, which is the beauty of uh, this is it's a journey, right? It's it's not just a journey. It's really a voyage more than a journey. Yeah, no, I, I, <laughs> but, but uh, I think you're right. But yeah. that's a really, I never ever thought of it that way. That's, I think that's true for me too. When I, when I listen to people, I'm always framing it in the current thing I'm thinking about, you know, the current problem I'm solving or the current thing I'm interested in. And I think I hear, I hear to either reinforce ideas or to question ideas and both are good. I mean, I'm, I'm fine with reinforcing and I'm fine with questioning. Absolutely. It doesn't matter. It's just an opportunity for us to get out of our heads and our bubble and to um, hear somebody else's perspective and then interpret it the way it applies to us, right? Just there is no um, there is no right or wrong. It's just a matter of um, growing, growing together. And that's really the beauty of the network. We have about 300 people or so in the network, in the technical hub technical network, and um, we have these calls once every quarter, so four times a year. And we usually have about 100 people calling all over the world, right? And the beauty is, again, to have people like you, like Helen, or it's even internal folks. You heard, you heard how you, you, you missed the part. Our internal folks sharing their learnings, right? The one that the internal sharing was about condition-based deployments. And the idea is uh, let's not push this unless the group is ready. Let's have some criteria. Not, not like a metric criteria, but like a... <clears throat> observing the leadership behaviors type of criteria before we do anything more at a, at a particular location. That's, that's basically maturity on our end, uh, because if you think about it, uh, in the past, we would be more aggressive. Right? Are, we would say, you know, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no. Are we too much in an echo chamber? I, I worry about this just because, so right now, everybody on earth has a podcast, which is fine. That doesn't, I mean, I think that's great. More is better. That's not very threatening. <laughs> What I worry about is everybody's interviewing everybody else. And so it, it seems like it's the same crap. And, I, and that, that started me thinking, are we, in a, are we in an echo chamber where we just listen to each other and we're not actively seeking or discovering new knowledge? What do you think about that? Because this is a good question to ask you. Um, I, I think there is a certain group of people who are possibly in that echo chamber. But if you think about an organization as large as us, the folks in the organization aren't because they aren't listening to all that. Does that make sense? Only maybe a handful of people in an organization have access to the echo chamber. Not that everybody can have access. Access is not the issue. It's willingness to spend time to be there, right? And only a few people in each organization have that. So I think it's a echo chamber is a more of an elite problem. <laughs> I never thought an about that. Problem. I never thought about having an elite so, problem. I'm an elite. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sorry to tell you. Oh, no. <laughs> Am I the first one? <laughs> yeah, you're the first. Oh, that really. Oh, man. Now I have new humility and I'm humbled. 
I, that I, <laughs> I, I'm an elite. I should. It's park. my it's my honor honor to make you feel that way. I should get better parking <laughs> if I'm an elite. I should get like no, but you know, like Berkeley when you go to Berkeley Lab or or the university, <laughs> you know, they have Nobel Nobel laureate parking. Uh, that's what I need is yeah. no, Nobel laureate parking. You are not that elite. Oh, oh, so I took it too far. I went too far. <laughs> yeah. So how do you think about managing a program-wide uh, intervention? I mean, uh, 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 how do you think big and act small like you do? <clears throat> yeah, that's um, – it is super exciting and super fun, right? I mean, um, if you think about – what we have accomplished, it's uh, really, looking back, mind-boggling, the um, beautiful, I should say. Um, we, had to, we had to start with the leadership teams. And as you know, we had to create our internal learning programs with your help um, so that we can have a consistent message across the leadership teams. So even though it looks big now on the hindsight, like looking back, it didn't start big, right? We started at sight at the time. And it really was a um, four-hour leadership engagement at a time. And, uh, you know, you go, you go to a location, you have your internal people. In, in our case, we had a few people trained by you and some other external SMEs who are now essentially competent about to talk about these concepts and you go to a site, you meet with their leadership team, you spend four hours with them. And then, you know, maybe, I don't know, 30% of them kind of like what we are talking about, you know, 70% can't care less, right? And then that's the start, that's the seed, right? And then the people who kind of seems to like this and get this, they want to do more. Um, they find a way to ask for more, right? And when they ask for more, that's when, as you know, we brought you in. Uh, we had you go to each and every site, uh, but it took time. Like we had about, I would say, six to eight months between the internal engagement with the leadership teams and by the time you showed up. And, you know, we didn't necessarily have this grand plan to do that, to be honest with you. But um, it, it worked out great because that gave, up, gave, that gave them time to find stories to fight with you about right? right they were they were ready to discuss they were ready to discuss they had things to ask you right so the initial seed that we built internally um they, they they had a lot of things to ask you about people not following procedures about holding people accountable about whether you know we are shifting too far and that worked out great because then you made it tangible for them right that's really the start so even though, again, looking back, like the numbers look big, it looks like a global effort, it really happened at a local level, right? And the, the, the global part, the strategic part was trying to con be consistent with the message, right? And being really, um, be, being really picky about who ends up being the first set of um, facilitators, you know, whether they are really capable of having these conversations with the leadership teams, that we should really use the same set of materials that you helped us with recording videos, right? So it didn't matter where we go in the world, uh, we were able to use the videos that we recorded with you along with the messaging, right? So being consistent with the messaging at the beginning, having competent people internally to be able to have those conversations with the leadership teams and then giving them essentially talk time, that's about six to eight months. 
and I'm bringing you in really helped us kickstart things, right, with the leadership teams. How did you determine, so, um, how did you determine the criteria for, for who would be representing these ideas? I mean, lots of uh, credit goes to Tanya Lugarmo, right? And the team that she created within Chevron back, this is like seven, eight years ago. Um, we didn't have a, we didn't have a crazy smart criteria, uh, but we, we knew who is more willing to continue to learn. I guess that was the, that was the sign, right? There are, there are some of us who, wanted to grow with this journey, right? You know, hearing it from you, continuing to learn with the podcast, reading books, just externally trying to keep ourselves on the edge of this knowledge. And those people who are, the people who also have an opera, operations and maintenance background, if we were, if, when we are able to find a couple of people like that um, and, and actually work with them to get passionate about the subject and then have them co-facilitate with Folks like me, who are more on the human performance SME side, helped us a lot, right? So we had an organizational leader who had operations or maintenance background, and we had a person who has a human performance background, and it was a co-facilitation, essentially, at each location. And we did tens and hundreds of those from going from site to site. We had to do it at the highest leadership level, and then we had to do it with their you know, first-line managers and then the middle managers literally like line by line go down to have these conversations uh, and that created enough interest for people to do want to do more right um, it's a deliberate effort on the part of the leaders it wasn't like your typical program like I you know this I don't, don't really like when people try to tell you there's only one way to do this and you have to do it that way and every other way is wrong there is multiple multiple ways to do it do it and and even within the organization we didn't necessarily follow just one path uh, we really meet the leadership teams where they are and really you know after the leadership teams the first thing that we were very successful at is what you have seen this morning again is really the business unit champions and human performance advisors right there are people who naturally tend to think this way. And one, once they hear this message, they really want to be part of this. So once we identified those people, once they identified themselves really, they became the champions or advisors of those locations. And it was just on us to then <laughs> increase their competency around the topic and then build a community to support each other, right? We, we started our community of practice meeting almost six, seven years ago. And the community of practice is different than the network. It's just the people who are the champions. And they also meet every quarter. And we learn a lot from each other, right? We all struggle, we all try, we all fail, but we all keep going. Uh, the community really supports each other, uh, even though they're all kinds of, the, all, all parts of the world. Um, we have amazing group of people who are passionate, who are not willing to let go. And they basically worked on increasing the competency all across the globe. Um, what and you, you know what? Sorry, go ahead. Oh no! What have you learned? I mean, what, like, what would you redo? What what lessons have you learned? Yeah, yeah. That's a, so. What we learned at the very early beginning is we were talking a lot about just the theory of it, and people were asking, "This is great information, but what am I going to do with this? <laughs> Tell me the five things I can do. Tell me how am I going to measure all that stuff." But 
that that was important because that helped us tie every concept to a tool either they're already using and how they can do it differently i.e post job debriefs right? right or it helped us identify significant gaps which is mostly around operational learning and accident investigations and then focus on introducing new new things into those areas right and that's really the we had these five six year journey where we trained hundreds of people and then the organization was ready to do things differently it did take a while but i think that's normal uh, just because of the sheer size of the organization and with the really amazing support from the leadership teams all across uh, people started to try things right in one of our locations one of our lubricants plant uh, heard about Bob, met Bob in a conference, and they start to try learning teams. This is 2017. And then another location, one of our biggest refineries, they heard about Bob and they started to try learning teams. And they had amazing success immediately, right? And it was like the ground was ready, the soil was ready, the workforce was ready, the leadership was ready. And once they started this new quote-unquote tool, even though it's just you know a different way of doing things, People loved it, and you know, um, it is really amazing in terms of how much we progressed in two and a half years. Just since I know I was going to talk to you this morning, I looked at the numbers. As of this morning, we have a database where we keep all this, of course, of course. <laughs> and we have, of course. we have, <laughs> we have six hundred learning teams in twenty-six countries. Wow. Right. That's just amazing learning. And they all have summaries. Right. I'm sure there is more than this, but this is what's kind of documented. And the, the beauty of that number is actually in the distribution. 400 of them are done on proactive slash normal work. Wow. And 200 of them are done on events. Right. And that's just exactly where we want to be is continue to use these tools on successful everyday normal work. Um, and the thing is also, these numbers are not really meaningful and they really don't even come close to representing the huge success we are seeing with learning teams. Each and every one of those represent like multiple conversations, multiple opportunities to incre increase, you know, fluency, giving a voice to our frontline workforce. I mean, every single one of them is a way for us to increase the employee experience, you know, had better reliability, just amazing, amazing success all around. But if I, if you were to ask me, right, um, how how did it grow like this? How, how why were we ready? It's really I have to say leadership support and their willingness to try and let their organizations try learning teams, right, and really trusting that and seeing that it brings operational learning value. Are you surprised at how the industry changed because of this? I mean, the whole industry, the industry. It is changing for sure. I mean, just the, I mean, we are definitely at the very forefront of this, right? We are really leading this. And I can see that we get invited to talk at several conferences this week. Our colleagues were presenting at AFPM the week before. We were at the Global Congress for Process Safety <laughs> the week before. We were at API, right? So we are continuously sharing. And that's also, you know, credit goes to Dave Payne, right? He is very much willing, willing us to uh, continue to share all of this with everybody as, as fast as we can. 
um, and that's helping a lot, right? Because if you are the only, <laughs> if you are the only crazy people in the <laughs> in the industry, that won't help us. But if we can have others join us, that is definitely going to help us with sustainability. How about your background? How valuable is your background? Because you have you have a PhD in resilience engineering, yeah? Yeah, human factors engineering. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, you never, I've never, I've never heard you say that out loud until right now. <laughs> I didn't say it, you did. Oh, that's true. Fair <laughs> enough. That, that, it does kind of make you an elite, though. You know that, right? You're now in the elite. It does. Status. It does. Hence, how, hence me not using it. How, how's that helped? How's that helped you? No, I'm, 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 I'm one of those extremely fortunate people who can actually use what they learn <laughs> yeah. every day, right? And, um, you know, the way what they teach you is uh, actually very simple. <laughs> when you uh, are designing systems, processes, methodologies, work, uh, you have to work with the people who do that work. You can't do that in an office. You shouldn't do that in an office. You really have to be where people are. And who are you to tell people what to do? Uh, they have to tell you how it's done, right? That's really the core of our occupation in that sense. So I use that in various ways and still people are surprised that we actually have to ask people <laughs> their <laughs> opinion when we, when we develop something, right? Like it's a checklist, it's a procedure, it's a document, it's a, it's a picture, it's a tool that we shouldn't be doing it from our... Uh, elite chairs <laughs> we should work with them where, where they are because they are the ones who do it every day right who are we to tell them what to do so what do you think the future holds what what do you see happening in the future because we're in the midst of multiple crises we've had dramatic impact economically dramatic impact with social justice issues which i think human performance plays a really interesting role in uh, pandemic i mean locusts uh, uncontrollable diarrhea, a lot of bad things have happened all at once. What do you, what do you see for the future? I am going to be um, optimistic. Um, of course, I can't be optimistic with everything just you just listed. That's, it's very difficult to stay optimistic given what is going on. I hear you. On and on the world. But I, I, I am going to be optimistic with the journey or the voyage i should say we are on uh, right i think there is enough uh, groundswell that um, this is going to be very difficult to change um, because we were always worried that this is very people dependent right if one person to leave then we wouldn't have the same momentum and we still have those worries we still see it in different companies you know what the benefit of this journey is we really stay connected with multiple organizations and continue to learn from amazing people. But we also see that they get worried when a leader leaves in their organization and then they fall back. But I also see that once you go into this line of thinking, it is very difficult to go back, mm -hmm. right? It's almost impossible to go back. Mm -hmm. So I feel like we have enough people who are starting to think differently that they are going to make a difference wherever they are. Right. And I also, you know, I, I I do like social media. I do like staying, you know, up to date, not just personally, but also professionally with LinkedIn and other things. I'm not, it's not for everybody. Right. But I do like I do enjoy that. And I do try to follow people. And I when I when I see a lot of hate speech, you know, I, that's my that's my sign that people are so worried that this is actually going to stay. 
(laughs) (laughs) What a brilliant way to, that's the best way to frame that in the whole world. When you start having trolls and haters, it means it's sticking. That's true though. I never thought of that. (laughs) So any, anything you're interested in that, that you're finding really fun to learn right now? I mean, in any direction you're going? Yeah, I have like three books right in front of me. <laughs> I have um, Nine Lies About Work, A Free Thinking Leader's Guide to Real World. I find that fascinating. And I have Karsten Bush's If You Can't Measure It, Maybe You Shouldn't. <laughs> I, I love that title. I've not, I, it, I've not seen the book yet, but it, the title alone is worth reading. Exactly. I bought it for the title and the tyranny of metrics. Like I have those in front of me. Right. So I know that we are going to continue to be challenged in um, showing progress, measuring progress. And we we came to you several times with that question. That that question is not going to go away. Um, But we also made progress in that one. um, We are pushing back against um, measuring things we shouldn't. Um, i.e. number of observations, etc., right? Um, but also, how do we continue to show the leadership that they are changing themselves? Like, how do we let them feel better uh, without necessarily looking at numbers or looking at what they are used to looking at, right? Because it's a feeling. They have to feel content as leaders that what they are doing and the effort that they are putting into this because this is not easy right it's not this is not very easy for them to change the way they think they have been taught differently for years we have been teaching the leadership teams that for a good leader if you want to be a good leader you need to take action fast right and that action usually looks like you know either getting getting somebody out or having a stern conversation with them or, or something along those lines. Right? But now they are changing the way they respond. Right? Instead of reacting, they are responding. So, But they somehow need to feel content about what they are doing about this. And again, I'm trying to find, I'm trying to figure out a way how to communicate that to them. And it's not through numbers, it's not through measuring things, but it's through how they feel about themselves as leaders, right? That's what I'm trying to figure out. It's, so that's the pod, Wayne Hank. Thank you, Sahika. I've been trying to get you on this podcast for a million years, and we did it. The job is done. We've we've accomplished the impossible, or what seemed to be the impossible. And thanks for those comments at the end. Leaders need to feel like they're making a difference. I, I don't know if we talk about that enough, and we should. I think it's really important, really, really important. Thanks for listening, everyone. It means so much to me. And I'm glad you're here. And it's been fun. We've had a good time. Oh, we're not done. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm not leaving or anything. Until then, learn something new every single day. Have as much fun as you possibly can. Be kind to each other, damn it. And for goodness sakes, be safe. <laughs>